0: All right. Good morning. We are uh, continuing our study in uh, the Book of Thessalonians. Uh, we'll be in Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter two, uh, verses thirteen, and then we'll, hopefully we'll get into chapter three a little bit. Uh, but it's good to have you here this morning. And again, we're sort of wrapping up this uh, these books here in the next. Well, hopefully next week we'll we'll wrap it up, and uh, we'll begin a new study. But again, we're just uh, very um, encouraged to, you know, read through these two letters in particular and, uh, you know, getting, again, an insight as to uh, what was going on in this, uh, this church here in Thessalonica. Again, hopefully, if you've learned one thing throughout uh, these studies is that, you know, this is the books to go to uh, to study for, you know, if you're wanting more information on, you know, the second coming of Christ, uh, again, because, you know, they had this, this uh, weird notion as to uh, what it may have been. You know, we actually just touched on that last week in uh, chapter 2, verse 2, that it appears that something got into the congregation, uh, some rumor or some uh, false teacher or whatever, but it said there in chapter 2, verse 2, uh, Paul said that you should not be quickly shaken from your composure, or, or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter, as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Again, somebody got this church riled up that that the day of the Lord already came, and they missed it. And you know, again, what would happen to those who died before uh, Christ came? That's what they were worried about. That's what. You know, uh, chapter uh, four of the first letter was all about what would happen to them. And so, um, you know, they are they are on the edge of their seats, if you will, uh, wanting to know uh, these things. Uh, Someone has apparently put in their ears again that the day of the Lord has already come and that just isn't the case. Paul's telling them. Uh, again, it appears that it might have been another letter. Somebody signing or sending a letter as if they were the Apostle Paul. You remember? Because we looked at uh, the la- or chapter 3, verse 17 uh, in this letter in 2 Thessalonians where it said, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. You know, why would he say that unless you know, maybe uh, he was trying to dispel the notion of you know, these false letters that were going around? Uh, but either way, um, you know, this is... Uh, very uh, important for us to study. Uh, you know, I really like that verse back in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-seven, that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, where he said, um, "I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren." Right? He wanted all the Christians there to read this letter, and so if he wants them to read that, you know, that's very encouraging for us to also want to uh, read this letter and to understand. Uh, but then, of course, last week we talked about this this mysterious um, passage within uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, about this man of lawlessness, or maybe your translation says a man of sin. You know, And we kind of touched on the different theories as to who this could have been, and also who was restraining uh, this man as he talked about. Again, Paul said that... Uh, when he was again uh, re- referencing the, the second coming, that he said, that, you know, it hasn't, the day of the Lord hasn't happened yet. He said that these things are going to have to happen first before, um, before this day happens. And of course, again, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of envious of those Christians in the first century because they know exactly who Paul is talking about. You know, again, we don't have that privilege. We're 2,000 years out from that event. But that's OK. Again, that's OK, because Paul tells us that whoever this man of lawlessness is, um, the Lord and verse eight, it says that when he is revealed, uh, then the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. You know, it, again, it's going to be no contest. It's not going to be a back and forth tennis match or anything like that. And God is just going to take care of it and uh, and it'll be done with. And then, of course, uh, you know, kind of wrapped up last week talking about how God was not going to allow us or he, he will allow us to choose what we believe. Right? He, he will allow us to you know, follow him or to forsake him. And he, Paul uses that language here in these verses uh, about that uh, God sent or look at verse 11 in chapter 2. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. Again, he, he's going to allow them to make those decisions um, in this life. He allows you and I to have these decisions in our life. We have free will to make these decisions. And we could very well choose to accept these deluding influences that he talks about, these, these false influences. And so he is now going to transition in, into what we're going to take a look at this morning in these verses. Uh, you know, again, if, the, if chapter 2... If last week's lesson was, you know, the, the dark part of the second Thessalonians, you know, he's really going to you know, light the lamp in, in these next few verses. He's really going to let the sunshine uh, come in. So let, let's notice these um, verses again, chapter two, verses 13, and hopefully we'll get into three. Paul's going to focus on uh, prayer at, at this point. Uh, he's going to offer some prayers. Uh, as he goes out. But notice verses 13 and 14. He writes, "Uh, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's focus in verse 13 on this word uh, chosen. Now we're going to focus on some C words in the next few verses. But in verse 13, uh, we notice again that God has chosen you from the beginning. You know, when you are choosing someone, you know, you're the active uh, participant in that. But uh, maybe if you are chosen, uh, you're the, the passive uh, participant in that. And, and so God has chosen uh, those uh, from the beginning for salvation, he says. Um, you know, the word choose here, you know, we, we need to understand that this is suggesting to some that, you know, you know, some people think that what this means is that God is selecting one to be saved, you know, one to be saved and another to be lost. Like, you know, when you go shopping, um, you know, and you, you come up on the tomatoes, and you know you look at the first one and you kind of take a look at it and you don't really like it so you put it back and then you grab another one and that's the one you want you know and so that you choose that one well some people get the the idea is that that's how uh that works with god that he is choosing uh the the individual that he wants to uh be with him uh in heaven but of course uh you know, we've mentioned this in the past that uh, when, when the Bible talks about um, God choosing you or predestining you uh, for uh, salvation, he's not talking about an individual, but he's talking about his plan. It, it, oh, Marshall Keeble, uh, this old time preacher, used to say all the time, you know, it's, the, it's not the man, it's the plan. And it's kind of a you know, catchy statement. It's not the man, it's the plan that God's choosing. Uh, again, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. Well, how does He choose you? Well, through sanctification by the Spirit. So, again, uh, that word sanctification, you know, we talked about it a little bit this morning uh, in the sermon, but it just simply means to set apart. Uh, God has set you apart by the Spirit and faith in the truth. Again, He's not telling us that. God is choosing us individually uh, based, you know, that, that I want you and I, I don't want you. I want you. But he is choosing us based on those uh, who have submitted to his plan. This plan that from the beginning uh, he had planned. Again, you know, we, we when we see those words within scripture, sometimes, you know, preordained, predestined, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, those words might um, You know, uh, worry us a little bit because we know uh, how some in the religious world uh, will use those words to um, teach those doctrines that, you know, that God does select people uh, that way. He does select people individually. But these are, uh, you know, again, these are biblical words, and so we want to use them. We want to use them in their proper uh, context. And again, uh, when God is choosing uh, one from the beginning for salvation, um, it's again. It's part of his his purpose, his plan, uh, not showing this special uh, favoritism uh, from the beginning. You know what is Ephesians? Uh, I'm going to jump around to a couple of passages this morning, but uh, in Ephesians chapter one, verse four, you know Paul is writing about all of these uh, great blessings that we have being in Christ. And notice, well, in verse three, I love verse three, where he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then he's going to go on and list all of these great spiritual blessings about being in Christ. But verse four, he just mentions this. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. And then he goes on and on. Well, uh, he's telling us the same thing here in 2 Thessalonians. Is that before he formed the world, right, he had this plan uh, set forth that uh, his people would be chosen by him uh, for salvation uh, through these acts. Through the sanctification by the Spirit and uh, faith in the truth. Remember in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 when... Paul is talking to those in Corinth and he's listing all of these uh, different things that they used to live by uh, in verses 9 and 10. You know, some of them used to be uh, adulterers and fornicators and thieves and swindlers and stuff like that. But in verse 11, you know, he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Again, the same idea is that uh, they were justified they were sanctified again sanctified set apart by the spirit they're no longer part of the world but now they are set apart uh, in the church and of course and faith in the truth or maybe your translation i believe says believe believed in the truth you know uh, we need to know the truth of course you know jesus said that he said and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so, uh, again, it's important to, to note that from the beginning, it's always been this way uh, for salvation. Of course, uh, can I earn my salvation in this life? No, this is uh, for God alone. Right. God alone gives and God alone. Uh, no, we, we cannot earn it. Um, but again, uh, just a very um, again. Just coming off of those verses from the man of lawlessness and coming into these verses, you know, again, uh, it feels like the, the sunlight's opening and we're uh, getting um, uh, again uh, these prayers for Thanksgiving. And look at verse 14. It, uh, let's see if we can notice the, the next uh, C word uh, that we want to point out. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, we were called through the gospel. This word means to choose for receipt of a special benefit or experience. And that benefit that he lays out there for us is identified as the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has called you through the gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In preaching school, I was um, getting my hair cut. One time, you know, I walked into a local barbershop. I was getting my hair cut, and, you know, we were conversing back and forth, asking me, you know, what would I do for a living? You know, those typical things that, you know, the small talk that usually gets made when you're getting your hair cut. And, you know, I had, you know, mentioned that I was in preaching school, and, you know, I just moved into the area, that type of thing. And I remember her vividly asking me and saying, well, you know, that's great that God called you to do this. And, you know, she wanted to know more about this. When did God, you know, when did he call you to do this? And, you know, that kind of took me a little back a little bit, you know, because uh, no one had ever uh, asked me that. No one had ever, you know, came from uh, that type of perspective uh, to me uh, Because I've always, you know, whenever I've read verses like these, that we've been called through the gospel, you know, to me that meant that, you know, as I'm reading the gospel, um, you know, I've got a decision to make. When I read scripture, I've got a decision to make to either take that call or not take that call. But uh, she had it uh, in her mind is that, you know, God specifically, you know, comes to individuals and he calls them to do things. Right. That he specifically called me to uh, tell me that, you know, I'm going to leave my life uh, as an accountant and I'm going to be a preacher now. And uh, that, of course, is not here what, what Paul is saying. It was for this he called you through our gospel. We are called through uh, the gospel. What happens when the phone rings? What, what are your options when your phone rings? You can answer it or not. Uh, you know, just talking... A lot of people don't answer the phones now any day anyways, you know, but uh, when it when it's, uh, you know, I guess the same can be true uh, for uh, for the gospel as well. Uh, The gospel call is been sent out and, you know, it it, it hits your ears or or you read it and you've got a decision to make to either answer that call or to uh, not answer that call. It was for this that he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Let's let's notice something in verse uh, 15. It says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter uh, from us. Stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught. Now, isn't traditions... Uh, somewhat of a, a bad word within uh, the church? It can be, it can, be can it? Uh, it can be because, well, let, let's, look, let's look at a couple of places in Scripture. Let's look in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus is going to talk about this in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 9, uh, when he is uh, dealing with some of the Pharisees. Notice what he says here. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Here is an example within scripture where Jesus says, you've got these traditions and you're putting these traditions on par with scripture, on par with the word of God, and that you're following these traditions as if they are laws, as if they are binding. You can't do that, he says. You know, he gave them a specific answer, uh, example, you know, that they uh, that the law says that you're to honor your father and mother. Uh, but then uh, they weren't doing that. Right. They weren't doing that. And so. Um, don't, uh, he says, don't uh, allow your traditions to get in the way of God's word. You know, he, and Paul writes about this too. I wanted to read this verse as well in Colossians uh, chapter two, verse eight. Uh, notice here what, what Paul writes here. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, Rather than according to Christ. So we read Matthew chapter 15, Colossians chapter 2. We kind of get a little bit of a bad idea about traditions, right? Uh, he's saying you don't follow these traditions. But what's kind of that add on he adds to the end of those verses about tradition? He refers to it as traditions of men, right? The, the, again, these are not coming down from God. These are not bound in heaven, uh, but these are men's tradition. The word tradition uh, here in this verse simply means uh, teaching, a teaching that's handed down. But again, this type of tradition, this type of teaching is something that is, a, that is binding and it's originating from God. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us, you know, specifically from us. These are things that we told you or wrote you. you know, we are, as Paul would say, he was an inspired apostle. I want to look at a few other verses within Scripture. Uh, In Hebrews chapter uh, one, you know, it's good that we understand, you know, how authority works for us today. As far as the Bible and the Hebrews writer lets us know some of these things in Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1 and 2. He said that God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Right. So. Uh, Back in the days of the Old Testament, God used to speak through prophets and through visions and dreams. Uh, But he says now, but in these last days in the Christian age, you know, God now spoke through his son, through Jesus Christ. Look in chapter two, starting in verse one. The writer says, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the words spoken through angels prove unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Okay, so chapter 1 tells us that, you know, that... that Today, Jesus—the words that we are to follow—the authoritative words came from Jesus, and then in chapter two, uh, you know, it tells us that Jesus relayed those words to uh, those witnesses, those apostles, uh, who confirmed it, and they confirmed those things through the the miraculous teachings that they did. I'm going to jump back into the gospel account in John chapter sixteen, because you know. Well, this might be a bad example because I'm kind of using one of these. But uh, if you can see uh, my Bible from all the way up here, maybe not. But uh, you can see there's a couple of different color font. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes we use Bibles that has red font. And what does that red represent? Christ, yeah. So sometimes the publishers of, Bible, of Bibles will uh, use red font uh, to emphasize that these are Christ's words. Uh, but then also there's, you know, there's a, a little bit of... A, Uh, A problem to that because then some people will take those words to being the authoritative words and the the black letters uh, you know in the bible as not as authoritative but that of course uh, is not the truth and jesus taught on that here in john chapter 16 uh, starting in verse 12. Uh, notice uh, he says i have many more things to say to you but you cannot bear them now but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Uh, he will glorify me and he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now Here, Jesus on the earth, uh, living uh, as a man, says that there are many more things that I need to tell you uh, that you need to know. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to do that, he says. And so uh, he says that at one point um, the Holy Spirit is going to uh, disclose that to you, to those things that are to come. And, of course, uh, we know in Acts chapter 2 that that happens when they are baptized uh, by the Holy Spirit and they uh, begin you know, prophesying miraculously. And those things take place that Jesus uh, told them uh, would happen. But again, the point we're trying to make is that um, today we follow uh, the words spoken by Jesus. And uh, Jesus, of course, gave his apostles uh, that authority as well uh, through the Holy Spirit. And so uh, men like Peter and Paul, the things that they uh, preached, the things that they wrote down um, are not human tradition, but they are, uh, they are God's traditions. These are the things that you need to stand firm and hold fast to. You know what are what are some traditions that we do here? And again, traditions aren't always a bad thing. But what are some traditions that we do here, or in any, I guess, any congregation of the Lord's church? Excuse me. The Lord's Sorry. Yeah. Let me. Uh, man-made traditions. yeah yeah that 's what I was going for uh, man made traditions some of the man made traditions that we do uh, here or in any other you know autonomous body uh, of the church, um, the order of worship uh, that 's a big one you know there, there are some individuals that I've heard, uh, i 've heard i haven 't witnessed it personally, but you know if you don 't have you know like two songs in a prayer and maybe you do three songs in a prayer you know that 's a big deal to them uh, they get up, they, or they get upset about that because for so long you know year after year after year it's always been you know two songs and a prayer and so that has been ingrained in them uh that it was a uh tradition it was you know maybe it was uh brought uh down by paul himself but of course you know that that's not the case and so yes of course uh the the order of worship service you know whether we have uh pews or chairs within uh the building um the Lord's Supper before the sermon or after the sermon. You know, uh, congregations will do uh, different things. Sometimes they'll switch it up. And again, uh, sometimes we can get into trouble uh, when we think of something as a tradition, a man-made tradition. But we, we blur the lines and maybe we see it more as uh, something that came down uh, from God. You know, we'll say, well, that's the way it's always been done. And sometimes, again, uh, that can stifle uh, the church. Um, you know, we, we see this as well uh, when we, you know, we, we take, um, you know, certain preachers or, or teachers words for it. You know, well, this preacher over here said this or, um, you know, this ancient scholar said it should be done this way. And so, uh, again, we, we, we've got to distinguish between um, Man-made tradition and uh, heavenly tradition—tradition tradition that was uh, given by Jesus, by the apostles—that we are to stand firm and hold to those traditions. Uh, you know, like the Lord's Supper—that uh, uh, is something that we are commanded to do. That is a, uh, you know, that is a heavenly tradition. That is something that we have been commanded to do. Stand firm in it. Hold to it. Uh, he says, hold to those trans. Um, Those traditions, I don't know if I'm about out of time. So uh, verses 16 and 17, we'll probably have to finish these up uh, next week. But verses 16 and 17, Paul continues on. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good Work and word, and so another C word that we can pull out of that verse is, is comfort. You know, God is a God of all comforts. Uh, he, uh, you know, Paul is breaking into prayer basically right here in these verses in verses uh, 16 uh, and 17. Uh, he, he is praying on behalf of the Thessalonians, uh, and he wants uh, to, us to know that God encourages us and gives us hope, and that of course is God's grace. And uh, and so uh, we will finish up. Well, I guess we'll begin chapter three uh, next week because we're a little behind where I wanted to be. But that's okay. But we'll start chapter three next week. But we had some good discussion uh, this morning. And so I appreciate uh, your attendance here uh, this morning. And uh, again, we'll finish up this book here shortly within the next week or so. But again, thank you. And Brother Danny will have our closing prayer for us.